Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. Today we're talking to Sarah about her two IVF rounds, which resulted in two pregnancies and two babies. Uh, She was diagnosed with polycystic ovaries at 16, so knew that she would need some kind of intervention in getting pregnant. Um, Yeah, and she also talks about her second round accessing their super in order to pay for that. Mm -hmm. So I actually know Sarah from a long long time ago uh, so you can hear that it's sort of a bit more casual of an interview and we do start to chat a little bit um, but as Tiff said her story is fairly straightforward um, and quite you know in the words of Sarah quite a positive story just because of her two pregnancies so if you're sort of in the need of that dash of hope then I think this is probably the uh, episode for you guys we hope you enjoy listening thanks for joining us today on IVF Tales Sarah Thanks for having me. Um, Do you want to just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and who's in your family? Yeah, um, I'm 33 years old and I have a husband. He's um, 38. And in 2017, I had um, a son named Xavier and he is an IVF baby. And then I had a daughter uh, just last year in October, so 2019. And she's also IVF. Um. So do you want to start us off with your fertility story and what that looked like for you? Yeah, no worries. So um, when I was obviously like a young girl, like 16, 17, I never got a period. And and so it got to about the end of grade 12 and my mum was like, oh, we should probably, you know, take you to the doctors. I went to a specialist and I got diagnosed with um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So pretty much uh, from even my whole 20s, I think I got... A handful of periods when I was like 21 but that was a bit that was about it so my whole life I kind of knew that I would have an, an issue you know having children because I mean if you don't ovulate you sort of don't get the chance to make one so obviously so um, when I finally did meet my husband and you know we, we got married straight away I was getting a bit worried because I, I didn't meet Peter till late like late 20s so I was worried that you know, I was almost missing my window because I knew I had any like a pre-existing condition. So as soon as I got married, I went straight to um, the fertility clinic in town, and um, he did a lot of obviously did a lot of tests again. And I didn't realise the extent of my polycystic um, ovarian syndrome, and it was it was pretty like he said quite a bad case. Um, so he said, I'm not going to do any of the, you know, the things that you can do before IVF, like um, um, just like a IUI, like stuff like that, or just even like tablets, like Clomid. He said to me, no, we're going to go straight into IVF, like straight into a cycle. And, um, yeah, so I said, well, well, that's good. Like, you know, get like, and I think I was very naive about it all. Um, I was just like, oh, great, you know, I have a few needles and then you put a baby in me and that's that's great, that's excellent. Um, 
I should obviously have done more reading and research on it because it's it's not as easy as that. And um, like the emotional and, and mental toll it takes on you, all, all the needles and stuff. So I um, I do remember the first day I got my drugs. Um, my father actually came with me. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed, like really anxious and overwhelmed. And, and I just didn't, I just couldn't believe you know, I had to do all that while other people were just having sex and making a baby like, you know, the, mm-hmm. I guess the easy way, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, I started the needles and um, my it wasn't, um, I'm not overly sure what the, the medical term was it, for, was it, but my body like overreacted um, to all the needles and I was... Oh, really like I was a psycho yeah I was a bit of a psycho <laughs> and um I went back like obviously you know you've got to go every two days and, and get scans and that and I went back and just before egg pickup um it had gone all haywire and he just cancelled it so mm-hmm. I did I felt like I'd done all that work and got over all that anxiety um doing it for like nothing there was no result it was just like a cancelled cycle and mm-hmm. that, you know that was it it was it was so disappointing and um yeah like really disheartening like to to, to feel because the needles of uh, like it made me feel sick as well yeah so so that was it really and then um uh he said you know we'll we'll try again and i i think he forced on like a, a bleed from all the all the um, medication I had, and then I went again. I think I was on needles for about I think it was um, like nearly forty nine days, like including the cancel, like the cancelled cycle, before I actually got to my first egg pickup. Wow! Um, and by this stage, I was worn out. I like like just physically and mentally, I I felt worn out. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably also because I didn't prep myself well enough. Yeah. Like I didn't really know much about it. Maybe if I had have had, you know, researched it and, and known that it can make you feel sick and it can make you feel lousy and psycho and emotional, I, I may have been able to prep myself a bit better, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So by the time it finally got to egg pick up, I was just worn out and, um, and then I think the first egg pickup I got twelve um, eggs, and I thought, oh great, you know that's that's fantastic, you know. And then every day of um, you know when the science scientist rings you, mm-hmm. um, they they said, oh you know you've lost another one, and so we got to the final day for the transfer, which was Friday, and they put me in a little like side room, and I could hear um, other women in like the booths kind of thing they were crying and I thought oh well this is <laughs> this isn't the right section to be in like something's not going right here yeah. and I knew I was only down to one um one like one embryo left out of the 12 they'd all succumbed and he came in and he just said oh um this is a, a medium grade one it's, it's not looking too good um but it's all we've got so he he just said oh we're literally just going to shove it up there and hope for the best. That's what he said to me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> right all right. That's, 
that sounds okay, I guess. Because um, I was so naive. I didn't really know. And at the time, I didn't really know anyone close to me that had done IVF either. Yep. So I was like, oh, okay. And he, and he just, um, <laughs> well, it's kind of like he said, it's, it's, there's nothing romantic about it, is there? They no, just, I just love his terminology. Just, I'm just going to shove it up there and we'll see how we go. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. And then um, I remember after it, I kind of walked out and there was all these ladies that have that were must have done many, many transfers because they were just in back in their work clothes, you know, back to work, They, you know, and I was looking around and I was so scared that it was going to fall out. Like, <laughs> it's like, so cute. Yeah. It, sounds, it sounds so silly, but I was just so scared it was going to fall out. And so I um, asked one of the nurses if I could sit in a recliner and have a cup of tea. So it so it stayed up there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it did. And I was so lucky and so blessed. And that was my son. And I was just so, I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, it, I felt like it, it was just... I was just elated that, you know, it, it worked and, and yeah, and he was born um, the August of 2017. So we were, we were very lucky. He, he made me very sick and in hindsight, um, I always thought if I ever went again, I would do a freeze all and mm-hmm. give myself time to recover mm-hmm. because I got to about 12 weeks of being pregnant and I was quite sick for the 12 weeks but I'd already been quite sick for those you know 49 days before it Mm -hmm. so I did I felt like it was the longest pregnancy I just felt like I was sick for a year that's kind of what it felt like yeah but it was worth every every cent every bit of being sick it was you know worth it all obviously to get him but yeah so that was my first story and um I was very like I know that I'm lucky, and I know that you know so many women would like they could only dream of getting a baby on their first transfer. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that was that was baby number one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think too it's um it's really interesting because we know the grading of our embryos, yet people who go and have sex for the night they don't know the grading of their embryos. So you know, as soon as we hear like he said to you, it's pretty average. Like, you know, my first thought is, oh, my God, okay, like, does that mean yeah. it's going to be okay? Like, is it going to have all of its arms and legs or, you know, whatever? Is that going to impact? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. You do think, oh, what does average mean? Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> exactly. You know, and they give you the, the numbers and the letters and you think, oh, that means nothing to me. Is it, you know, you're not, you know, there's what's wrong with him? Like, why yeah. wasn't he that good? Mm-hmm. And how is, how like, and how did the embryo that one get to the end if it is medium grade, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. yeah, it is very confusing. It, yeah, but I guess um, you, you just got to go with it because there's nothing else you can do. You've just got to yeah. write it, you know? That's the, yeah. um, the, the cards we've been dealt, so we just need to move forward with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, I mean, as I said, I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky, like – I mean, we, other women have a you know, horrible time, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I mean, apart from being sick and and all that, I mean, I've I've been quite successful. So yeah, yeah. So mine's, I think, more of a positive story too, because mm-hmm. yeah. um, sometimes I think when it comes to IVF, you do hear a lot of the 
the terrible, you know, sad stories and, and, you know, you feel for the woman so much. And I think um, for someone that is just about to go through IVF, uh, to hear a good story, you know, gives you a bit of hope and, you know, makes you, um, I guess, just ready for it, you Mm -hmm. know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it lets you see the light at the end of the tunnel and yeah, yeah, allows you to move through, you know, the pain and like you said, the feeling sick and the needles and the weight and, you know, all the angst that goes with it, seeing someone have a baby through fertility treatment, I think that just thinks, okay, well, if they can do it, so can I, you know? Okay. So the second time I waited until my son was um, just over one mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't think I could be that, that lucky again, you know? So I said to Peter, oh, we better, we better get onto it. Um, and so I um, stopped breastfeeding like I think him at about six and a half months because I wanted to be they say to be totally clear of breastfeeding and whatever to mm-hmm. start a new cycle so I went in for a fresh cycle and um, the first the difference of the first time is because um, like IVF can be quite expensive and the place we went was um, apparently I don't know one of the, the best so um, the first time we sold the boat and that's how we got the money but the second time we, um, I went into my super. Mm-hmm. So after we did all that paperwork, which, you know, you nearly need a degree for, it felt like, um, we went straight in and we did um, the second cycle and it was so much easier than the first because he knew, like, obviously we'd done it before and he knew um, what to give me, what right medicine to give me and the level of injections. Um, we did We did that and... I got, I think I got to egg pick up within two weeks, mm-hmm. and which was, you know, so good compared to the first time. And there was no mucking about. It was it was really straightforward the second time. And um, I got 11, uh, 11 eggs. And again, through the, like the, you know, the five day wait, um, I think that, yeah, they all succumbed, but two. Yeah, so I got two embryos this time and then I did the transfer, I think it was in the fe- uh, February of 2019 and, yeah, I got my daughter. So, I mean, I was just – I actually um, had a lot of um, – I ha- I was quite anxious when I found out I was pregnant because I kind of thought it was too good to be true because mm-hmm. you do hear, like, women and, and you know, they've had – something like eight egg pickups and a million transfers and they still haven't, you know, had a success, like had a pregnancy. So I did for the first 12 weeks feel like scared. Like I thought, oh, like am I going to am I gonna lose her because, you know, it's, it's a bit too lucky. Mm-hmm. But I did it and, um, yeah, she was born in – in the October of last year. Yeah, she's, mm-hmm. she's gorgeous, yeah. So um, we have one in the freezer, mm-hmm. which we still pay, you know, rent on. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, whether we will go a third or, um, you know, we, we, I mean, my daughter's only f- four months, so. But, yeah, but it's, it's good to know we got one in the freezer. Um, I don't necessarily want to do IVF again. Like, 
for like many reasons, like the money. Um, I think it takes a toll on your marriage a bit as well, um, financially mm -hmm. and also um, like it, it's, uh, I feel like I was, I could be definitely unreasonable when I was on the on the injections and mm -hmm. high strung, mm -hmm. um, which I think many women feel just, you don't feel like yourself, do you? No. You feel, you feel different and I found it hard to explain how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And then of, um, also, you know, when you do have your egg pick up, I mean, you, it is a, I mean, it is, you are knocked out. It is like a, a surgery. So you, you know, you got to prepare yourself for that. And then, yeah, so um, I'm not sure if I want to do IVF again, mm -hmm. even though mine was quite straightforward. It still definitely took its toll on my body, but um, I'm not sure I could leave that embryo sitting there. So that's where I'm at with that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I think um, just with the medications and things like that and you were saying you know like you could feel the emotional toll it was taking i think as women um we have this need to be almost masculine in how we manage our emotions and i don't even know if it's necessarily the medications that you know interfere that much with your hormones but i think it's emotionally like you're conflicted because you don't like you said you don't know how to express yourself um and we all of the interventions are done on the woman, you know, so there's all that pressure on us to sort of provide this child and, you know, this, this pregnancy and all of this sort of stuff. So I feel like we feel a lot of pressure and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as well to get it right all the time. Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. Like make it right. Even, you know, you want to give your parents a grandchild, you know, so you've got that and then you want to, you, you want to be successful because you, you sort of don't want to pump more money into it exactly. and, and I, I felt like um like and then you go into the what ifs like yeah. also like what if this doesn't work and you know I'm 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 childless um mm -hmm. like and for me then this is just a personal opinion a personal feeling I, I felt like I don't I didn't think I'd be able to cope without with being with not being able to be a mother like mm -hmm. if it had have never worked and I was just um, just like I guess a married couple, no children, I, I just felt like that to me would have been a massive failure for, for my life. Yeah. Like I felt like that, like ever I, I remember being young and people would say, well, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I kind of always just wanted to be a mum. Mm -hmm. So I felt like the, the pressure was like well this is all i've ever wanted why is it hard like yeah why <laughs> i didn't understand like mm -hmm. why and and then you'd have people that would just have sex like one month and be like oh i'm pregnant and mm -hmm. they'd whinge about it and oh, i'm sick and, or, or they'd have a baby and and you'd say oh you know i'm doing ivf um and they'd be like oh you can come over to my screaming kid in the middle of the night you know and Mm -hmm. and put a real uh, negative spin on it yeah and I'd, I'd kind of think oh if like if only you know yes. and for me my my IVF journey was um in comparison to others quite simple so yeah. I could only imagine how someone who's had 
that many cancelled cycles and that many failed um, transfers might feel when they hear things like that. Mm-hmm. Like you, you'd almost want to punch someone. <laughs> like you would because you'd just be like, oh, you ungrateful so-and-so, you know. And you're able to tell us, like you, you said you found out when you were 16 or like you went to the doctor. How did you feel basically at that age where you know like that's sort of the last thing on your mind is having babies but I I know you just said that you know you always sort of dreamt of being a mother but sort of you know it's just crazy it's a crazy young age you know how did you feel at that how did you process all of that or or did you not I probably um didn't process it as much um I did like uh, polycystic ovaries has its own side effects like on its own, mm-hmm. um, like you get, like I always got like a bit of facial hair, which is totally embarrassing when you're that age. Um, like, you know, so I've had laser on my face and stuff like that. So those things, like cosmetic things, is what I thought about because, that, that, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you're, I guess, a bit more vain and th- those were the things I worried about. With, with the polycystics, I didn't really go into, oh, this is going to affect me having children. Like I kind of, um, oh, it was a bit, you know, more about physically what you could see from having that. Mm-hmm. Not, I, I didn't, like that 16-year-old brain, I didn't really delve into, oh, this could really affect my future with having children. Yeah. I, I just sort of, yeah. So <clears throat> it was more those things yeah and you i mean you know what it's like when you're young like that you've got so much other things on your mind you're not Mm -hmm. thinking about you know you might say oh i'd love to have a baby by 23 but you know something like that but it's not like a mature thought out you know thought process (laughs) yes and everything that entails having like if you actually fall pregnant having that child as well yeah 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 of course it's not just putting a bow on their head and making them look pretty yeah like there's more to it so um yeah um and so you said um that you had to delve into your super for your second transfer uh if you again if Mm -hmm. you don't mind um would you mind just walking us through how that process looked for you guys uh just so in case there's anyone listening who's thinking that they might need to do the same thing it just might help if you know if you've got any tips or or tricks to help them out with that um, I, um, got my doctor to say, um, they get a bit funny with the IVF thing because I mean, um, they like reasons for getting your super is, is, you know, if you're, if you're going to die, like things like that, or mm-hmm. if it's really impacting your health. So depending what super fund you're with, sometimes they don't see IVF uh, falling into that category. So I went with, um, cause mental health is in it, like in, in the things you can pull out for. Mm-hmm. So I got a letter from my doctor saying that it was impacting on my life, like the stress in my life mm-hmm. to function and come up with the money and all these things in like, in order to have a child. And if it didn't, if I didn't find the money, you know, I wouldn't then with like a mental sort of my anxiety or whatever would would cause me like not to work and to, to mm-hmm. for it to really affect my life so mm-hmm. um that's how I got it but I did get knocked back the first time like it wasn't an easy process it wasn't just like 
one form. They knocked me back the first time. They said I didn't have enough information. Um, and then the second time I just got, you just got to get, um, not just from your doctor, it's your GP, you got to get a letter then from your specialist. I think um, a medical report, I had to show I had pre-existing polycystic ovaries, like it's not really just like a straightforward thing. Yeah. But I sort of, yeah, had to put in the part about like mental health that was affecting my day-to-day life so yeah I mean if that helps someone get the super definitely use it you know because mm-hmm. I mean it's un it is unfair I-, I think that people like us have to pay for it and yeah. then if you choose to have your baby privately mm-hmm. I mean there's an extra three grand on top of that mm-hmm. so I mean it is an expensive venture for <laughs> for something that people just have sex for free in their bed <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> romantically one night yeah yeah like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i mean yeah pete had to go you know obviously into the little room and give his sperms in a cup and he was so uncomfortable with it all and i said oh you're uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that um so how did it you know you said that you know, emotionally you weren't that great and all of that. Um, did they do any tests for Pete at all, um, like testing his sperm prior to you beginning IVF to decide if he needed to do ICSI or not? No, he actually had um, like like 99% like really high scores for mobility and, and quality of his sperm. So, um, yeah, we were pretty lucky um, in that sense, that it was just one person, not mm-hmm. not because I mean a lot of couples find out that it's 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 both of them. Um, so for us, yeah, it was just me. So um, Pete's part, and it was pretty well. I would say easier than mine. He just had to, you know, give his load and then yeah. and move on go go to work collect, so. collect it collect his sample i think is what i like to say but you should yeah that's, just, that's what yeah. i'm looking for yeah he's, uh, just he's just jacking off into the cup like that's all he's doing really isn't he <laughs> you know? well pretty pretty much yeah um, um they, he said that they gave some weird movies too um he said that one of them turned into a musical in the middle of it oh my goodness <laughs> I think that would have the opposite of the desired effect. Yeah, I think I think that's hilarious that he actually watched them because I know with Ezra he just watched his phone. Like mm. I think he went onto you know some website, and yeah, so I find that really interesting that he actually like selected a DVD and or like you know, well, know. the nurse came with like an old school DVD case with oh. all these choices, <laughs> and he was like, oh okay, and he said he put one on and then, you know started the process, and then all of a sudden it like they all started singing and dancing and it like kind of went into some sort of weird porno slash musical and he said he was totally like confused (laughs) with what was happening oh that's so funny oh that's so great i love it oh well i hope he he obviously ended up getting that sorted out for you then so yes yeah and the children definitely look like him so (laughs) there's always that thought because I, I do yeah. remember um the first egg pickup I woke up you know in recovery and there was a man like next to me in recovery and his name was Peter 
And he was an older gentleman Mm -hmm. with a a young uh, Asian lady and they were going through IVF. And my, I remember my, one of my first thoughts was, oh, I hope they get this right. Like, because I always think yeah. there's always some, there can be some level of human error, yep. like in anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, um, I hope they get the right Peter. Yeah. I was just like, I remember lying there thinking it, like, oh, I hope, you know, that it's totally my children rational. look like my Pete, so I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. But. <laughs> I remember Ezra joking when I was pregnant that our our baby was going to come out looking like our fertility doctor because, you know, maybe Ezra's sperm was just so bad that our doctor was like, here, mate, I'll help you you out. Yeah, there's an episode of Law and Order on that. Oh, is there? Yeah, you do think weird things because it's not like, I don't know, and you hear all those crazy stories like in America where they've put the wrong embryo in and stuff. And it, and it does, like, it's not a serious thought, but it does play on your mind slightly. Like, oh, you think, yeah. oh, yep. you know, like, you've got to get this right. We were just saying the other day that I could not, you could not pay me enough money to be the scientist that's choosing the sperm and injecting the sperm into the egg or doing IVF and just having that responsibility. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. It's like being one of those, like, um, people that direct the planes and things like that in the tower. I, I can't do it. It's too much pressure. Oh, it would definitely, that job, I, I reckon it would have a lot of, um, like, there's a lot of pressure on you and it would be a stressful job, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you've got people, like, I'm not sure how much contact they have with patients because they are more like the scientists behind the scenes. Yeah. But, you, you know, you've got people's dreams in your hands, yep. you know, like people have put everything into it. I mean, some women, I, I know a girl that was up to $90,000 she'd spent on IVF. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's an enormous amount. And, I mean, and that's what they're trying to create. So I do think that it would be quite a uh, stressful stressful like profession it would be Mm -hmm. for sure yeah definitely um so how did you think um ivf impacted on your marriage and your relationships around you so maybe with your friendships or your family and things like that um uh with my marriage i i did feel um i felt like i think personally i felt like um, like not a failure, but like there's like a, a drama just to do something mm-hmm. that to Peter, like because Peter knew nothing about any of it, like you know this massive rigmarole to just sort of make a baby, and he didn't really understand. Like I was like, no, we got to go now. Like we got to we got to get the referral now. We got to get it started. And I had this big thing because I was 29, about turning 30. Yeah. And um, I was like, I've got to have a baby by 30, you know, because my ex, I said, I don't I don't really know what they're doing because I'd never get a period. And I kept saying they could be dying by the day. I don't know. You know, we've got to, we've got to go and do this. And maybe I put pressure on him mm-hmm. to start a family, like, so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he wanted a bit more time because, um, you know, the communication kind of went down. <laughs> because I, I just had in my head what I wanted and what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I involved him as much as maybe I should have, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
um, yeah, and then of like when you're on the when you're on the, the medication, I was especially for that cancelled cycle. I was I was very psycho, mm-hmm. and I'd get ideas in my head, and I'd, I'd you know be like, oh, let's go buy a house on the waterfront. <laughs> like we're not rich at all, yeah. and um, <laughs> and I was impulsive, and I and so it did change sort of my personality. So it it put pressure on us, and because I felt sick too. I mean, the, we weren't like there was no romance between us because you know when you feel sick every day, it's kind of like the daily grind, just trying to get through the hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, with with friends, I probably retreated a bit, but that's what I do yeah. when I, if I'm going through a hard time with something. Or and at the time, I don't like none of them. Well, had to or were going through IVF so it's not like I could talk to any of them about it because people don't know what to say so they do say kind of things that aren't helpful yeah like you know like oh if it's meant to be it'll be things like that and you think oh that's that's great you know did you you know just pull that out of a sayings book or you know like it's got nothing to do with anything type of thing and I know they're trying to be nice and it sounds harsh me saying that but I think when you fall hormones you do kind of think things like that like oh yeah thanks for that you know yeah i'm just going to take that up and shove it up my vagina and make a baby with that thank you so much <laughs> you know? yeah yeah and like i don't know like um oh like different patients would come into work and i was quite open about like I, it wasn't a secret i'd be like oh yeah i'm doing ivf um probably because i didn't really as i said no I didn't research it that much and I didn't mm-hmm. know that much about it when I first started. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of tell people, yeah, I'm doing IVF. And they'd say things like, oh, you don't need that. Um, just relax and eat well. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, okay. I didn't think of that, you know. Like, <laughs> also, like, so, I mean, you could be in a same-sex couple, like, and they wouldn't know that unless, like, you told um, them, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. So, but again, I think some people – they're either it's they're either too stupid to be malicious or they really don't know anything about it and they don't know what to say so they just sort of say anything which isn't their fault really at Mm -hmm. the end of the day because I myself went into IVF not knowing that much about it I thought oh yeah a few needles and then then the the baby just grows in there and that's great you know I I was so naive so Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah, understand the process, and I don't think a lot of people do. Um, I remember seeing you actually at the fruit shop that day um, with Ezra. I don't know if you remember this, but yeah, I do. Yeah, yep. and I was talking to you about it, and you know, I said, "How are you feeling?" And you said, "It's been the longest pregnancy in the friggin' world because you know, blah blah blah." And you went through it all. And this is at the time where Ezra and I were trying madly to fall pregnant. And obviously nothing was happening. And I walked out of there and I thought to myself, you know, thank God we don't have to go through IVF. Like poor Sarah, that sounded terrible for her. (laughs) Joke's on me. (laughs) A couple months later, that's exactly where we were. So like that has always like that little um, inch, like, you know, bumping into each other has always sort of stuck with me because it's kind of like, you know, like I think I drew on that quite a bit when I was going through that because it was like, and I think I actually ended up messaging you over Facebook or no, you did, yeah, yeah. you did message me because I was like, I but don't see, know I, else. I thought I think people like you, I, I think it's harder because 
I was lucky in a sense that I knew what yeah. was wrong with me. Yeah. So I was like, oh, from a young age, I always sort of had in the back of my head, I guess I'll, you know, if you don't have a period, really, I guess I'll need help falling pregnant. Yeah. But see, some couples like yourself, I mean, I'm not sure how long you tried for, but that would be frustrating to be yeah. trying and trying and thinking, oh, why isn't this happening? Yep. And then you go to the doctor, you go to the specialist and you find out what's wrong mm -hmm. and you think, well, I could have been doing this, you know, a year ago or two years ago yep. instead of, you know, fluffing around every month when it was never a chance. Yeah, just like, relaxing, <laughs> just trying to let it happen, eating yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I would, I think I would have been more frustrated um with with like um you know as some couples are just like um unexplained infertility yeah i would be more frustrated with that diagnosis than me myself having something mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i think you've I, probably I got for those couples you've got you've got your answer right there in front of you so i think it's really like you know it's like all right well this is the only sort of way around it so let's just get cracking sort of thing mm. um yeah so did you, were you pre fairly open? I mean, I know I just talked about, you told me, but were you fairly open with everybody else in your life that you were going through IVF, like your, like your close friends and things like that? Yeah, I was. Um, I probably less open the second time. Yeah. But for the first time, I was like, oh, like um, every patient that walked in, they'd be like, hey, you know, how are you? What have you been up to? And I'd be like, oh, I'm doing IVF. <laughs> um, so maybe almost a bit too open <laughs> like because mm -hmm. then you open yourself to sometimes silly comments or sometimes hurtful comments that the person doesn't mean to say mm -hmm. like oh and then you get those comments like you know oh kids you know why would you have them you know the you know people that complain about their life and you think oh okay yeah. and, they, and it kind of makes you a bit angry and you don't want to feel angry. Like no one wants to feel angry towards someone, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yep. yeah, I probably, I, I, the second time was, um, yeah, I, I didn't, like I still told family and close friends, but it wasn't like I was going down the street like the first time sort of telling everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Yelling it from the rooftops that you're going through fertility treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Sometimes I do have to tell people now, like that I haven't seen in a while, um, because it's, this is very random. But when I first went through the first round, my voice changed, <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, I didn't think much of it. And and I, you know, I asked the IVF man and I asked my obstetrician when I was pregnant, and he said, oh, it could just be with the hormones, and it'll all be good when you have the baby and then some people like I googled and some like my obstetrician said sometimes when you have a baby boy your voice goes low and croaky mm, okay. anyway since then it hasn't sort of fixed itself so I've been to like specialists like ear nose and throat I've had a camera down um if I overuse it no volume sometimes will come out mm -hmm. and I've been to all these specialists and the only thing they can sort of put it down to is IVF because that's when it started so if I see someone like I saw a friend that had been living in Canada mm -hmm. and she was like whoa she's like oh what's you know what's wrong with your voice it's so low like you got a cold or something and I was like oh no this is how I talk now because it's been nearly three like over three years yeah 
I'm like, no, this is my voice now. And people, and I have to go and sometimes tell that story, mm-hmm. you know, and so sometimes I have to say my IVF story just because of my voice. So I don't know if any other, I I don't know anyone else that did IVF that that's happened to, but it, it happened to me. So yep. I don't know if that helps anyone out there. That's like, really, really yeah, fascinating. So it still hasn't come back, so they think that I might have to see a speech pathologist. Wow. Now. So, mm. yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure what, yeah. what was going on there, but that's, that's something to do with it too that you don't hear about. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if anybody else has experienced mm. that as well, I think. Um. Yeah, it's, it's odd. Mm. I haven't, like, I've Googled and stuff and I haven't found much about it, so yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, so um, there's an extra sort of bit of information that's a bit weird. <laughs> so basically, how do you think um, or do you think um, IVF or going through fertility treatment has impacted like your pregnancy and your postpartum um, periods? Like, you know, were you more, like you said with the second, with winter, you were more anxious, I think, during the first 12 weeks, um, you know, how else do you think it has impacted if if at all um well yeah with with uh winnie i i definitely felt like i was too lucky Mm -hmm. like to get uh two transfers in a row like you know that that was too lucky so i i probably was a bit more worried Mm -hmm. um but i was with uh, my son i was quite ill so i i just I, I don't think that had anything to do with IVF, though. I think that that was just that pregnancy, you know, morning sickness and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure, you know, um, how it impacted. Is it was that the question? Yeah. So it was just sort of basically what we've experienced or what we've heard from other women is that during their pregnancies, their anxiety is quite high. That they're either going to, you know. Uh, lose the baby um, or like you said it's too good to be true and then I mean I think you know both Tiff and I have experienced um, we feel like going through fertility treatment has changed the way we sort of intended to parent or how we ever expected to parent Um, and just also like our birth experiences as well just the choices that we've made like I think we've sort of connected the dots and thought okay well maybe IVF was the catalyst for that Hmm. um I I definitely I don't know if if I had a, like naturally conceived if I had have felt this way but I definitely feel blessed like I feel I look at my my babies and I I just I am so lucky mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's sometimes a bit too lucky yeah I I feel like that like I, I don't know if it's fair to say I'm more grateful than, than your average mother that has sort of just had children because, I mean, I don't know how they feel, but I do feel like that. Like I feel like like, like I'll be shopping at Chemside and I'll walk past with my double pram and I've got my coffee and I look in the reflection and I think, oh, my God, like I can't believe this is me. Like I'm so lucky. Mm-hmm. So whether that has something to do with IVF or that's just who I am as a person, I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I think you've just made a good point there because, I mean, we don't because we've been through fertility treatment. We don't know if we would be any different if we had have conceived naturally. But I think going through IVF has definitely made me realise that kids are really precious. You know, for me, you know, 
because I never felt like that way before I had to go through what I did to, to get Junie. And now I just think, you know, especially when you hear people say, oh, you know, like, do you want one of my kids? Mm-hmm. I just think to myself, well, the last thing I'm going to do is come and knock on your door and ask you to hand over a child to someone that you mm-hmm. don't know. I could never do that, you know? Um, so I think that's a really good point. Um, so if you could speak to yourself at the start of your fertility treatment, like, what would you say if you could go back? Oh, to definitely be more prepared. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I was a bit like too blase about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I, I will never forget, um, I, my dad's lovely and he said he would go in with me that first morning when I was picking up, you know, you pick up all your your drugs in that little bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, oh, dad, don't, don't worry about that. Like, I just, and he said, oh, no, love, no, love, I'll, I'll come with you. And uh, we stopped for a coffee <clears throat> after. And I remember just sitting there, like having a coffee with him, and I just said, I'm so overwhelmed. Like I felt like I had like like the sweats, like pins and needles, sweats. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm just, I just don't even like, I said, I don't even know if I listened to that nurse properly, like how to inject myself. Like I'm not sure I even took it in. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like, And Dad was like, oh, you'd be right, you'd be right, love. Just step by step, you know, take it day by day. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is so full on like wow i don't and and the medicine like it's so it seems so much when they give you that big bag at the start yeah you know because it's got everything Mm -hmm. like you um the things you inject and your pessaries and this and that and i remember thinking oh my god like i don't even like taking a panadol when i have a headache Mm -hmm. like i was like oh my god this big bag of drugs um so i to have stopped the sort of freak out i had I would have uh, researched more, maybe gone to, because they do have information nights about it, maybe gone to one of them and prepared myself better than just sort of saying, like, I walked in and that, that day he was like, oh, no, these are your results. My my um, IVF man was very matter-of-fact. He's not into, like, he won't hold your hand through the process. He's just facts. He gives you a certain amount of time and then he closes up your folder and says, all right, team, see you later. And you've, you've got to get out, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would have prepared myself more and read about it and yeah so I wasn't so freaked out mm-hmm. I guess day one when and I just said yeah yeah I, IVF you will go straight into that don't worry about Clomid or anything you know like as because that was his advice and I thought yep and I didn't realize it was actually quite so intrusive like even even the scans every second morning you know they're internal yeah that here I am thinking you know, you just have a normal ultrasound and it's not like that. And the, actually the opposite, the, when I was pregnant and I went into my obstetrician, um, I, I, he said, all right, we'll have a look. And I took my underpants off and I got them to my um, <laughs> ankles. And he's like, whoa. He's like, whoa. He's like, are you an IVF girl? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, no. He goes, we go through the sunroof here. Put those up his back on you. Oh, oh, to just oh. imagine they think, oh, this silly little blonde girl. But yeah, oh, <laughs> I laugh because I was exactly the same. So, and then when he sort of, I think because our first scan was so early, he went to give me. I think he had to give me an internal, and I he just sort of went to pop it in, and I was used to my fertility specialist handing it to me and me putting it in myself. So I've just like grabbed it off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah, because you, and especially because you're doing it like every second morning, mm-hmm. you you do get used to it. Yeah. So you would have done that for yep. sure. Yeah. Did. But yes, I'm glad I'm not the only one who who did something like that. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, but I I um with the second pregnancy, like the second round, um I had a like a little bubble on my placenta. So my IVF man sent me to like a specialist, like um ultrasound clinic. Mm-hmm in town and so she went to do an internal and because I was so used to like the opposite to you I was so used to him putting it in mm-hmm. I just lied there and like stared it up and she's like <laughs> standing there with the thing and she's like oh are you gonna you're gonna pop that in and I was like oh I was waiting for you to do it so <laughs> it's just embarrassing moments yeah. all around yeah oh it's hilarious it's, it's great that's really I mean that's just part and parcel of it I think yeah yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's just how it is. But, you, you, I mean, you got to laugh, too. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's everything. Tiff, is there anything you want to add? Nothing. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Sarah. Oh, no, thanks for having me. for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now if you could also leave us a review for the show that would be so appreciated no words are needed just stars If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Vlad Gilyshenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 